Buds and Blue Jays. Your place for everything related to the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's your hosts, Jesse Burrell and Riley McConnell. Now let's get on with the show. And now the offseason officially begins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 140 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And today on our show, we are officially now into off-season mode for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to give our final thoughts on how we felt this season went, because it's been a week now since the postseason has ended. We're going to go over the interviews that both Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro gave uh, at the end of the season, and a lot of interesting things came out of those interviews. We will touch on all of that. Plus, we're going to go over to some lessons that we might have learned after following this 2023 Toronto Blue Jays team. And then, Riley, you and I, we're going to take a look backwards at the bold predictions we made at the start of the 2023 season and just see how ridiculous they look now. Or maybe we even got one right or two. But first, Riley... What's up, man? How's it going? We are one week away after the Blue Jays officially got eliminated. And I want to know, how are you feeling about this team? So obviously, I think a lot of the population of Blue Jays fans and baseball minds um, that surround the Toronto Blue Jays still don't feel very good. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's a lot to feel good about. I mean, I think it's the same story last year. Um, Obviously, this is our second year doing this. This is the second type of episode um, that we've had to cover the post after the elimination series um, and a week later, how, how do you feel after? And I think it's probably, if I was to, you know, back the, back the tape on it, Jesse, like no one feels good about being eliminated. And I think no one feels good about how we were eliminated uh, from the postseason. I mean, how we got there is irrelevant at this point. We made the playoffs wherever we were, we see, we were seated. It doesn't really matter. Um, we got beat in the same fashion that we did. We got we have not won a playoff game since this new format has been implicated. In fact, you know, two sweeps. I best two out of three. It's like playing rock paper scissors. But either way, like I don't. There's nothing to feel good about the the optimisms at the start of the year, the hypes at the start of the year. And I think I can go back to what Isaac says about being a Leafs fan or whatever. You feel so good at the start of the year, and then the cookie starts to crumble and all of a sudden like we're just sitting there kicking rocks at the end of the year where there's still some very good teams, some beatable teams uh, playing October baseball right now. Yeah. And the blue Jays simply are just not one of them. And it really does feel like with the talent this team had, even though they didn't put it all together, it really did feel like this Toronto blue Jays team could have made a good run in the playoffs and simply they won't under the uh, current core and current leadership that they have. I will say things kind of feel like they're in shambles right now. And things did get worse after the Ross Atkins interview and the John Schneider in or not the John Schneider interview the uh, Mark Shapiro interview. And I want to talk about that a little bit first, Riley big news coming out of these two interviews is that both general manager, Ross Atkins and our manager, John Schneider will return for the 2023 24 season. We will have both of them there. I do not know about the rest of the coaching staff. The only thing is our third base coach, Luis Rivera, has retired, so we will need to do a replacement there. Still no word yet on Pete Walker, Guillermo Martinez, Don Mattingly, James Click, and the rest of the front office and management staff. Still no word about how they're going to finish looking at back there. Um, The big takeaway, Riley, I thought, we talked about it on the last episode, our instant reaction about the Toronto Blue Jays being eliminated. We talked about the Jose Brios decision to pull him after 42 pitches, after what he looked like was his best. We got word out of both John Schneider and Ross Atkins, or not John Schneider, uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, both saying that the decision to pull Jose Brios was strictly on John Schneider and John Schneider's management group. Now, To me, when I first saw this, Riley, it really did feel like our general manager was throwing John Schneider under the bus. They were trying to clear their own hands, be like, this was not our decision. This was not our idea. We we had no business, no say in this whatsoever. It's basically on the manager. But how much are you buying this, I guess, that it was purely John Schneider and Don Mattingly and company's decision to pull Jose Barrios? Or was this coming from the front office? So, I mean, this being a management staff, front office, whatever in baseball is kind of like, you know, any job. And I think with any job um, where you have a hierarchy role, uh, someone who, you know, has big responsibilities for, you know, whatever you're whatever you do, whether it's a baseball team, whether you're in a factory, um, you have your your white collar guys 
pushing pens in the front. Then you have what John Schneider would be kind of like the foreman. Um, And it's a, he said, she said, pass the buck kind of thing. I mean, at the end of the day, we're looking for someone to take responsibility, to have accountability. And I think that, yeah, I think John Schneider got thrown under the bus for this because I think there's no way that's a mindful decision. I mean, no manager in his right mind does that. I don't care what the statistics say. Um, he was pitching a hell of a game. And y- you just you can't explain that. I mean, we were all very surprised it was the wrong decision, obviously. Did it change the outcome of the game? No. Well, no. Again, I'll yeah. go back to we didn't score runs, so whatever. Exactly. And that's I the mean, reason why we lost. We're looking to point blame at somebody or something that went wrong. I mean, we could dive a lot deeper than that, but for this situation and this situation alone, yeah, John Schneider got a peep in his ear that he was supposed to do this. I mean, this is a young big league manager who's still trying to pave his path. God knows what's going to happen is I mean, he could go on and, and manage for 15 more years in the big leagues, or he, this could be the only big league team he ever manages. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know. Still a lot is unproven. And I think we kind of know John Schneider's managing style. I think he's a very passive guy. He doesn't want to, doesn't want to rustle any feathers, um, I mean, I, I mean, he got thrown under the bus by GMs who, who know what they're doing. They're going to kind of give you the dance around and, and give you the politicians kind of answers towards things. So, I mean, it's, if, if, if he got the call down, they made the wrong call Shapiro and Atkins and whatever else. Um, but it's not all on John Schneider. It's, uh, it's a collective failure is what it is. Yeah, Riley, I I know you remember this, but do you remember the scene in Moneyball when um uh, they were trying to run the team, right? And they kept telling Art Howe what to do. Remember, this was the big yeah. Carlos Pena versus was, Scott Hatterberg yeah, thing. Yeah, hey, this is the only. This is what came to mind. Do I yeah. know the scene from Moneyball? Jeez, <laughs> like I don't like I don't watch that movie once a month. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, right. Jesse. So for, for those of you at home that correct. don't aren't familiar, Jesse, sorry, continue. Right. So basically, what it was is the general manager team had a plan in place, but the manager thought Carlos Pena was a better player, and basically the manager was not listening to the front office and trying to do what he wanted to do. Essentially, I think that might be what's happening here, except kind of on the extreme. I feel like John Schneider was trying to do his best to appease what the front office wanted and not specifically what he thought might have been best. I think Riley and Buck Martinez mentioned this, and I agree with him fully, is that because John Schneider is such an inexperienced manager and it is his first year at the helm, I think he was afraid to go against his front office Because if they did let him go, he would never have a job in baseball again, at least at this level in baseball. If he can prove that he can listen to his front office and be, you know, a good little whipping boy, for lack of a better term, I think he can prove that he can, you know, he can have a job in the industry before he makes his own decisions. Like Jim Leland, you brought that up last episode. How was your favorite manager of all time? Jim Leland will just do whatever the hell he wants, whenever the hell he wants. John Schneider can't be that guy right now until he earns his stripes and get there. So I think if this was more a more experienced manager on helm, then Jose Barrios would have still been in this game. The whole talk about this would have been different than, um, than this, but that's kind of my thought on this. And it's just what it is. It's a lack of communication from the, from the president to the general manager, to the manager, to the team on the field. We echoed last episode, some of the things that the players were saying about this decision. And we've heard more about that coming out a little further. And that is a big problem for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Well, first of all, I mean, Jesse, you the for the, you said in three minutes you mentioned Jim Jim Leland and Moneyball, and I didn't even <laughs> have to milk that out of you. So uh, that's, that's that's great for my ears right there. Uh, second of all, whether you want to call it communication or not, I mean, someone slipped up, and no one is taking responsibility, which I think is I think it's the hardest thing to grasp on this. I mean, and again. Jesse, it really does come down to a lot of players underperforming. Yes. And at the the end of the day, is John Schneider just a a pawn and whatever? Who's actually managing this team? I mean, what does what's Don Mattingly saying in the clubhouse? What are Shapiro and Atkins actually saying to John Schneider? What had they been telling him throughout the regular season? Because I doubt that that's a first instant instance kind of deal where all of a sudden and in this 
this game specifically, they're going to send down and, and say, pull Barrios, we want Kikuchi. Like, that's it's definitely not the first time that this has happened. We just haven't noticed it because it hasn't been, first of all, on that big of a stage or that grand, that m- much of a, I guess, crazy move, if you want to call it that. So, I mean... Jesse, I think I'll just speak for a lot of people to say that, you know, taking accountability would be great. Uh, We're not going to get it. I think it's just going to be the same little dance around. They're just going to push it under the rug, which is fine. Hey, but I mean, we're not stupid here. I mean, we know what happened at the end of the day. There were wrong decisions that were made. And we lost the ball game, regardless if those decisions were made or not. So at the end of the day, what does it matter? Well, I mean, is John Schneider going to grow more of a backbone in the offseason? I mean, I kind of doubt it. He, yeah. I, I kind of doubt it. It would be cool if he did. But again, when I refer to a guy like Jim Leland or Ron Gardenhire or even, you know, at like even at this point, like a Joe Girardi type guy. Those guys have been in the show. They kind of do what they want. They're old school. Um, as far as like John Schneider being about one of the greenest skippers in Major League Baseball, and you're still trying to pave your way, then yeah, you do have to listen to your superiors. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a job. You're trying to hold on a job as much as everyone in the camaraderie loves baseball as a game. This is his livelihood. This is what he does. And I'm sure John Schneider would love to hang around Major League Baseball and do what it takes in order to do that. Yeah, this is just the beginning, too. We are going to follow this story all offseason because I'm sure there is going to be more coming out of this. Riley, I just want to give you some quotes or stuff that was said um, during the press conferences between these two people. And 30 seconds or less, I just want you to give me an instant reaction, all right? Okay. Okay. Mark Shapiro said, quote, Ross Atkins needs to be better, but he's done a good job. Specifically, the Jays need to score more and be better on the basis, plus a higher level of communication of transparency with the players and staff. Thoughts? I mean, sure. That's that summarizes it. Yeah, I mean, pretty much what we were saying, right? Dock dock your team a little bit. Yeah, they need to be better, but don't don't. Uh, I mean, don't uh, you know boost each other's tires a little bit there. I mean, yeah, but keep it. I like when they would keep it to the players. But hey, whatever. Uh, yeah, everyone in the situation needs to be better. But yes, especially the players. Okay, next one. Ross Atkins talked a lot about how the preparation for the players needs to be better, but they also seem confused on why like players like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Boba Shett's preparation doesn't lead to playoff success. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, at this point in their careers, they're still they're still in arbitration they're not you know 10 year tenured big league guys but they have enough experience under them that they you it shouldn't be expecting more it should be you should automatically get more and i mean the mental game is jesse that you have the blue jays right now i mean forget who's going who's coming whatever let's take our latest roster we fielded with you have a playoff superstar in George Springer. You have young prodigies like Bo, Bo like Vlad. You have a Cy Young-esque pitcher in Kevin Gosman. I mean, you have a premier American League closer in Jordan Romano. I could keep going on. And maybe not those guys specifically are played underwhelming. I mean, we know Vladdy did. But, I mean, there is a good team uh, in that clubhouse Mm-hmm. And when they went on the field, they were a different team. I don't know, know how to explain it. Speaking of Vlad and Bo, uh, Mark Shapiro was asked about possible long-term extensions for both guys. It was a big topic we had in the spring and last offseason. Mark Shapiro indicated it is all about winning with this current group of Toronto Blue Jays we have right now, which is what our focus on, which was a lot of nothing. But that made me also think a long-term extension for either player is not in the cards, at least immediately. Thoughts? No, I, I, I mean... Bo got his three year. I think Bo is probably done after those three years. That was my thought originally. And I, I believe that's still the thing that'll take him to free agency. Does it not that three year extension? At the end of the 2025 season. I think, I think that he's going to hit the market as far as Vladimir Guerrero jr. Goes. Um, If it's a fight with arbitration, that's not a good look. 
if this guy is our, you know, homegrown superstar, 80 grade tool hitting son of a Hall of Famer, going to be a Hall of Famer. If that's what he is and that's what we believe he's going to be, then pay him. Get him paid. If that's what we believe in, Jesse, if that's the route we're going to go down, then don't screw around with it. Right. I mean, do you, you can't think, you can't have your cake you can't have your cake and eat it too. Let's just say that. Do you think that's the type of player Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be after the season he just put together? I mean, listen at this well at this point, Vladdy's not a thirty million dollar a year player with with the numbers he put up this year. If he can if he can scrounge together these next two years, good numbers, and I mean like I'm talking thirty home runs. I'm talking the same kind of defense and I'm talking shows shows that he's a leader and really puts himself into the shoes of a more complete ball player Then, yeah. But I still think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a ways to go. I think we could all agree that he's taken a step back Mm -hmm. as far as his runner up MVP season goes. And that sucks, but that's the reality of it, Jesse. Okay. There's still a chance. I'd still love to see it. And then uh, uh, two more quotes. That he made. Remember midseason when um, the Blue Jays DFA'd Anthony Bass? We talked about it on the show. That was a thing. Um, somebody brought that up to Mark Shapiro. Mark Shapiro basically says he still feels very good about the decision to DFA Anthony Bass. Remember, he did have an ERA just like near five at that point. But rumors are that some players in the clubhouse were thinking of doing a protest about the decision to DFA the player. Ultimately decided not to. But again, I think that goes to show you the disconnect between the players and the front office. And one more quote that he made here. It, um, Mark Shapiro did talk up a lot of the AAA guys. And it sounds like guys like David Schneider, Addison Barger, or Elvis Martinez um other names that he mentioned there are all going to play an important role for the 2024 Toronto Blue Jays. Do you have a thought on one of those two things? Uh, well, I think that the young guys getting into our lineup is a great thing. We saw what Davis Schneider did, and I had him far behind Barger in the depth chart. So I'm very excited for our young guys. We've had a good string of young guys come up since um, you know, 2017 when Biggio came up or 2018, whenever it was. And then we got the sons of major leaguers. It's an exciting time for our young players. This is another wave of them. Um, so, I mean, yeah, as long, um, but if they play a ton of games, Jesse, they, they've either had a really good spring training. We had a, or we had a bad off season with acquisitions or we ran into injury problems. So there's a lot, a lot to think about there because yes, they are young and exciting players, but if we see them in 50 games next year, then I don't think something went completely right unless they're a well above average replacement level player. It'll be interesting. They did hit well in Buffalo this year, and that is definitely something the Blue Jays need is better offense. In terms of payroll, Mark Shapiro was asked about that. It sounds like the payroll is going to mean roughly the same where it was this year. So think about some of the free agents we're losing. We'll talk about those in later episodes. Um, but it does sound like the Blue Jays do have room to add to this roster, which, thank God, if they were going to subtract from this roster, there was something seriously wrong. Um, so we will pay attention to that moving forward. Riley, I do have some more news and notes that came out of this press conference and the stuff that's happening generally with the Toronto Blue Jays. First one, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to spend the offseason training in Florida instead of going back home to the Dominican Republic. I think this is good that he will get lots of time at the Blue Jays complex. Maybe he'll have a better diet. Maybe he can actually figure out what it's going to take to embrace that monster we know that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has in him. Ryan Goins, Blue Jays legend, has retired. As mentioned earlier, Luis Rivera, our third base coach, is now retiring. And Ricky Tiedemann, our top Blue Jays pro- uh, pitching prospect, is pitching very well in the Arizona Fall League. Ten innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, four walks, and 13 strikeouts for Ricky Tiedemann in what is a highly level prospect league in Arizona right now. Not throwing his changeup as much as he's really trying to develop his sweeper, but all reports are that it's coming up good for Ricky Tiedemann. So any thoughts on those four pieces of nose, Riley? I mean, we remember who was on base. Well, I do. Not that I was born. We know that Ricky Henderson and Paul Mulder were on base for the Joe Carter home run. We also remember that Gogo was on base for the Jose Bautista with home Donaldson. run yep. with Josh. So, I mean, like, it's, hey, it's important stuff, man. Ryan, we know Ryan Goins. If you've been around the Jays in the bad years, 
I mean, he earned a spot on that team. This is by no means a blue chip superstar level guy. Actually, probably my one of my grandfather's favorite guys that came through Toronto just based off. I mean, it might be his favorite player since. And I'll give you another not comp because they're two kind of different guys. But John, Johnny Mac, John McDonald, um, just a good kind of gritty infielder you need. And yeah, third base coach Luis Rivera. I mean, he's been here for, I think, since 2010. 2011 long time. Like, I mean, good for him. And um, yeah, Vladdy, we're going to need you on some superstar diet. I don't care if you're in Montreal. I don't care if you're in the Dominican. I don't care if you're in Barcelona, wherever you are, (laughs) take care of yourself. And, and I mean, you're, yes, you're allowed to take days off. I mean, this isn't your whole life, but for a good part of the year and to prep for it, you, I mean, he knows what it's going to have to take, and he needs to take the initiative to make it happen so he can put together a good season next year. Yep, love that. We've got at least two more years of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. under control, and I want to see monster seasons out of both of them because I'd hate to see him kind of middle, leave somewhere in free agency, and then hit 50 bombs for like the St. Louis Cardinals or something. But anyways, Riley, with that being said, let's move on a little bit to our next segment here, and we want to talk about the major lessons that we might have learned from the 2023 baseball season because baseball teaches us a lot of things about the game, about life, about anything you really want. And, you know, this season was kind of more frustrating than other seasons, even though we did finish 89 wins and still did make the playoffs. So I'm going to throw one to you first, Riley. And what lesson are you taking away from this team, whether it's a player performance, a way you evaluate players, a way you feel about baseball, a way you watch the game, or even just some life advice that this year's Toronto Blue Jays team has taught you? Where do you want to go? I mean, we can start right at the bare bones basement first level and say, Jesse, a lesson learned, no matter what level you're at, is that fundamentals mm. are a building block in the most important part of the game. And I'm, I mean, good one, good one, men- mental, Jesse. I could give you six different scenarios right now. Um, and it comes down. A lot of it is base running, but Jesse, I mean, I hate to go back, back to the basics. These are play. A lot of these guys have played, had a bat in their hand when they were three years old. They know baseball. They know how to play baseball. There are laps in concentration. That's you know what, that's what separates a lot of the superstars. I mean, how often have you seen a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, who's been a superstar in, in major league baseball for quite some time. How long do you see, how many times do you see a guy like him have a mental lapse or recently retired Miguel Cabrera? I mean, he got, that guy was always on, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we just, our mind kind of slipped sometimes and it showed, it really showed when we, when we screwed up, when we made an error, I mean, it really came through on, on when we were seeing it and it affected the outcome of the games. Yep. I like that. So it's the little things like hitting the cutoff man or backing up your outfielders, backing up your infielders, you know, um, making sure you hustle out ground balls, which was a big thing we didn't see this year, you know, being smart on the bases, knowing where you're going to throw the ball when the ball's hit to you. The little stuff that I think the Blue Jays really did struggle with this year, if not more than any other year. I'm with you, Riley. Don't take those for granted. When the Blue Jays are playing really well, it's probably because we're doing those little things well, and we can't just assume that that stuff is going to happen, Riley. I really like that lesson. Um, My lesson is I'm done with the analysis that thinking that hitting to the opposite field is always a good thing. Like Unless you're Bo Bichette or Derek Jeter, and let's be real, very few hitters are Derek Jeter or Bo Bichette. I don't want to see the Blue Jays just constantly spraying the ball to the opposite field all the time. I want to start them seeing pull the ball with authority. Riley, we were taught growing up that if you could hit the ball the other way, you are a good, pure hitter. You are really got it. Look, I still want them to see that outside pitch taken to the opposite field, but I don't want to see them taking pitches inside, fastballs they can dr- like they can really drive and trying to flick those to the opposite field. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to be able to see the power come back, and I want you to be able to see to hammer to drive pitches. And I'm done with the thought that, hey, if you can hit it to the opposite field a lot, that automatically means you're a good hitter. I mean, hey, that sounds good to me. Coming, uh, that this is coming from a guy who couldn't who couldn't take a ball the other way to save his life. The best I'm gonna get is a base knock up the middle. But yeah, Jesse, I mean, it's a see ball hit thing. It's a mental game. You have to go with the pitch. Um, if the ball is in your hot zone inside and you recognize that, 
you got to turn on it. If it's a, from a right-handed pitcher, your right-handed bat, and a slider misses, it comes over the heart of the plate. That is a pitch right there you need to jump on. Yeah. If you are on two strikes and that same slider is a little more low and outside, and sure. you got to get and you sure. got to get your hands down and, and, and t- take a slap approach and put that ball over the second baseman's heads, that's different. But I mean. We, I, and I would rather go up there and it's like, was, I don't even know if Chapman was trying to do that the whole time on those swings and miss. We'll never know. Cause he took about 150 swings this year that were just absolute misses on fastballs, like dead red, dead center of the strike zone. So, I mean, yeah, Jesse, I'm all about good tactical hitting. Um, but we just need, we just need better approaches at the plate. Plate discipline is important too. Um, I mean, yes, Bulbashet, whatever. He's a different guy, but we seen that with Vladdy this year, swinging at pitches, George Springer at times spun himself around too. So, I mean, yeah, I think the hitting is probably the most frustrating thing that we witnessed this year, aside from the, well, <laughs> actually a lot of it was frustrating, Jesse, but, uh, uh, the thing that wins you ball games, and I know that fundamentals wins, but a lot of runs win you ball games. And I don't, I don't think we realized that we were actually going to be this week in the power department this year. Yeah, and there's no reason the Blue Jays should be this week in the power department. And I think the Blue Jays are going to be better when they do it. Now they have one little lesson, two, I guess. One, I'm just as a rule. I'm not going to rely on um, just like a few weeks of you being hot counting for your whole season. Looking at you, Matt Chapman, who got hot for the month of April and then was garbage. Looking at you, 2021, Alejandro Kirk, who was good for six weeks. And that was it. And then other Blue Jays who have had random bursts of hot streak and having that define who they are. Um, I'm going to, if you're hot, that's great, but I'm not going to use that as you being successful. Take Dalton Varsho in his last month in Arizona as well. Um, and I'm going to stop buying that into your player performance. And then one more thing, Riley, I'm done with middling moves at the trade deadline. This is two years in a row where what this year we got Jordan Hicks and Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung lasted three weeks on this team. Jordan Hicks was good. Don't get me wrong, but that was it. The year before we got Whit Merrifield and um, oh, I don't even remember who else we got the year before, but that uh, was kind of middling for this team. This Blue Jays is built to win now. Go for it. Make a move at the deadline. And um, I'm not going to stand for it next year. I'm going to be adamant that we make bigger moves. Yeah. And you mentioned Witt as one of those acquisitions. What was a pretty good move. He could also fall into that. Was very hot. And then was yes. not. Yes. Um, I mean, it goes for a lot of guys. Kirk, though, that grinds my gears. But, I, I mean, Jesse, when we won in 93... Do you know who we added at the trade deadline? We added Ricky, oh, Ricky Henderson. Henderson, right? Yeah. We added Ricky Henderson. How much better? And I mean, so what? I, I don't know the order off by heart. So what? We we had probably uh, Devon White and Alomar in the one-two spot. And w- with the hitting we already had, the top three hitters in the American League. Then we go after the best leadoff hitter of all time. Like, that's a move. And I'm not, that's, that's not me saying, let's go out and acquire Trey Turner. Like, but there are grander scale moves to make that isn't Paul DeYoung. And I mean, hey, Bo was hurt at the time. I get that. Jordan Hicks, quality setup guy. Let's not kid ourselves. I wish that I, I see something with Jordan Hicks. If this was my team and I was in the front office, he's coming back. I don't know about, hey, and you say what you will. My Romano Hicks will get into this on another time. Yeah, I'm looking we'll have at to, I'm I have looking, things to say about this too. I, I'm looking at age and I'm looking at a lot of things. My mind might go a different way. I do like our Canadian closer. We will totally probably even have an off air discussion because we have not talked about this one bit. But I think that was a good addition, but they are still pretty lucrative moves nonetheless. And to make a big splash in the postseason, there's always got to be that big move that's made. And we just simply didn't haven't done it. Yep. Last year, this year, whatever. Yeah, and like, look, prospects are great. Who was our best prospect coming into spring last year? Addison Barger. He had nine home runs and a WRC plus less than 100 in Buffalo this year. Like, you know, Ricky Tiedemann, I know we're not going to trade him, but he was hurt. There were some disappointing names. Like, don't be afraid to move your guys. Get players that'll help the big league teams because getting a World Series in Toronto really is the only thing that matters. Right? did you have any other lessons before we move on to our bold take review here? I mean, just no, not really. Basically, yeah. kind of the sad, sentimental one, Jesse, at the end of the year, and you're victimized of this every year, you poor soul, is don't 
let the highs get too high. Don't let the lows get too yeah. low. You know, we say that every were, year, Riley. You were made, we into, dude. You were made into a meme last year. Mm-hmm. You were. You look like you had just lost your best friend. You. You look like you'll never see your dog again. Something like real sad, like. And I mean, Jesse, I went in. And I told you, and I, this would be the fourth time I said this now. I lowered when Jonah Heim hit that grand slam, yep. when Texas won that first game, uh, we got swept. I lowered my expectations as soon as that ball left the yard. That was the see, That was the moment I knew we were probably – I knew we weren't going to win the World Series. And I had playoffs out of my mind. I lowered my bar completely. And I'm a changed man. I had, a, wow. I had, wow. an, okay, I had an okay week because I didn't get too hung up about it. I'm still extremely disappointed and I'm frustrated. Frustrated might be the word I'm using. I don't run the show. I have, I, and I, I shouldn't manage a little league team, let alone a major league team, <laughs> but either way, Jesse, there's a lot of things that grind in my gears, but yeah, you have to go in with reasonable expectations, but the expectations we did set, they still fell short. Regardless, if you thought this was a division series winning team, a 90 win team, uh, like whatever, like we still fell short. Even if you wanted to lower your bar at the start, everyone had to move their bar down uh, to not be disappointed. Riley, this is great because uh, you know we're in official off-season mode. We are getting some life advice from Riley McConnell here on Buds and Blue Jays. I guess my my life advice I'm giving on this show here is that look, it's just sports. Don't take it too seriously. We're all having our fun, you know. It's just our sports team. But boy, would life be a lot sweeter if our sports teams could actually perform and do well, hopefully soon, Riley. Anyways, with that being said, let's take a look back. Let's flip the calendar back to March 19th. The Blue Jays were going into spring training. Everything was going great. We were just um, we were riding the highs of the offseason. Dalton Varsho had just showed up to camp. Um, Brandon Belt was there. Well, he actually wasn't feeling well. He didn't play much in spring, but things were going good. Springs were showing, showing great. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was hitting nukes. We all thought it was going to be good, Riley. And you and I both made five bold predictions at the start oh, of the season. Oh, and, no. Uh, <laughs> and um, I think it's time, Riley, we hold ourselves accountable and see if we get any right. I think the year before we got one right. I know, I think I called a Whit Merrifield trade at the start of last season, which I think was good. Um, so let's see if we got any right, Riley. Um, I'm just going to read them off. I'm going to start with yours and then I'll let you react. Oh, we'll why are you starting with yours? You, you are, you are, you are making me the pawn. You are throwing me under the bus to start this up. All right, let's rip the bandaid off. I, hey, right. I'm all about whole. I'm all about being accountable. That is something I'm good for. So let's hear it. I mean, the key word here is bold predictions. Mm-hmm. So let's these, hear how bold these were. Some of these were spicier than others, but I will give a take on this one. And Riley, this was the very first take you made last season, and you said, "I quote." Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be the MVP this year. Now, Riley, MVP voting is not out yet, but he had a line of 264, 354, 444 with 26 home runs. I don't think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be MVP this year. No, he is not, but we might see another gold glove. He doesn't get a silver slugger. He might get his second consecutive gold glove. I don't even think he's getting that either. Well, I mean, hey, let's, let's, let's be wishful here. Hey, well, he didn't have a very good year. Um, he'll bounce back. I will not be making the same bold prediction next year. If I'm doing that, I'll pick another player. Um, fast forward ahead in five months and you'll get my answer. Riley, do you think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets any MVP votes this season? Not a chance. Yeah, if wow, Bobichette, eh? but if Bobichette didn't get hurt, he like Bobichette, that's my player. Like next year I might ride with Bobichette. If he didn't get hurt this year, he's a, it's a whole different, uh, line this year on his stats. One more, according to Fangraphs, and a 118 WRC plus is lowest in a full season since his rookie season for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and that is not what we wanted to see. Riley, my first bold take, I kind of piggybacked off Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I know I've given this one two years in a row now. I don't think I'm going to have this bold take next year, but I said, quote, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will have the hardest hit baseball in the StatCast era. Now, he did lead the Blue Jays with the hardest hit baseball. In fact, he hit a baseball at home against the Chicago White Sox. It was Jimmy Lambert pitching, and he hit a baseball 116.7 miles per hour. It was a double hit down the line. It was a rocket. It like one hopped and immediately jumped off the netting for a double. Um, it was the 12th hardest hit baseball in baseball all this year. I think Aaron Judge had the hardest hit baseball um, all this year, surprising nobody. But when I look back and I watch that video, it was a 94-mile-per-hour fastball on the inside part of the plate 
and he hit it to his pole side down the left field line. It's like, Vlad, you've got all this power in your bat. Why aren't you doing this more? It's just very frustrating to me when he's getting the results. But nonetheless, that number, 116.7, was his lowest max exit velocity out of every year he's had in the major leagues. And I, it's hard to see a guy who's now approaching his mid-20s is going to get that uh, that number back up. So, did not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Hey, that's that's a you one. I will probably not give a stat cast type prediction on this on this show. Jesse, I'll leave those the analytics monster monstrosity ones for you. Yeah. So Riley, you went big on the MVP award. Your next one, you went to the Cy Young award and no, uh... I don't even want you to read this one. <laughs> not a chance. Oh, well, I know what you're going to say. Hey, Hey, it's all, all about play, accountability, Riley. I yeah, no, play the wah 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 music for this one. Yeah. Jesse, read it, read it out. Um, Riley did say that Alec Manoa will win the American League Cy Young Award this year. And um, if you've been following the Toronto Blue Jays all year, you know exactly how this went. In fact, if there is a way a pitcher can win the opposite of a Cy Young Award, <laughs> literally the opposite thing, I think that's what Alec Manoa did this year, getting demoted down to the Florida Complex League. And then you also added Riley into this one. Oh, no. You said, um, I think his real only competition in the American League is Jacob deGrom and Dylan Cease. And Dylan Cease didn't have that good of a year. And Jacob deGrom got hurt so you took out all of alec manoa's competition and it still did not matter not i even. forgot all but i forgot all about garrett cole and yeah um we know hey we know how that song and dance ended it was it was a nice thought at the time i didn't realize that he was absolutely gonna blow up his career this year so yeah. there was that look there were a couple warning signs a few small ones here or there but i don't think anyone in anywhere thought it was going to be this bad not on my bingo card not on my bingo card piggybacking on that riley my bold prediction and that was the one i had the most confidence in i even laid money on this one and ultimately it didn't come true but it was that kevin gosman is going to win the al signing award now officially he's not but i think he might come second place he might come third place he's definitely going to be in the top three position he just didn't grabbed this award in the second half like I was really hoping he would, but it was a very good season for Kevin Gosman nonetheless. He was our opening playoff starter, and he did have a very solid season. I think he set the Blue Jays' all-time record in Ks per nine. So um, good season, Kevin Gosman. I was close, but ultimately he did not win the award, so that's another X on the bingo card. You got closer than I did. I mean, the worst pitcher in the league or the second best pitcher? You tell me, basically. Gosman had a fantastic year. Gosman had a fantastic year. If you're keeping score at home, that is a point for Jesse. Yeah. No one is is keeping score, I hope. I'm a big, fat loser. Keep them up. (laughs) Riley, in this next one, this next bold prediction that you said, and I will quote exactly what you said on our March 19th episode, you said, for this one, and no... I'm not about to say something ridiculous that I will regret. (laughs) You ready? Oh, I'm so ready. You said there is no way Jose Barrios has an ERA over five, and there is no way that he leads the American League and earn runs again. You said, I think his ERA is going to be closer to four. You said 415 at your line and a whip around 127, Riley. And Jose Barrios exceeded both of them. He had an ERA of 365 to end the season and his whip of 1.19, Riley. So I think it's safe to say you did not say something that you will regret and you do not look ridiculous after this statement. You had me so petrified. <laughs> I thought, I don't, I don't remember the bold predictions, obviously. I thought you were going to go and say something about Varsho there, that I was going to be like, oh my God, did I say something ridiculous? Because Varsho in his year. No, Barrios, man. I Well, that's a, that's a pretty, like, if Bar- Barrios wouldn't have had enough qualified starts if he had an ERA over five, I think right. that we would have tried to fix something around there. Yeah, all our, all everyone except for Manoa, the guy I had as the top <laughs> pitcher. No, but Kikuchi and, and Barrios and Bassett and Gosman, those four pitchers, absolutely fantastic. But yeah, Barrios, hell of a bounce back year. That's way more like it. We have him locked for years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... 2028 is that his contract through the 27 season so yeah um i mean he's gonna be around a while so we'll take seasons like that that's night and day right there you i hope i don't know if his next we'll get more into what his next year's season might look like i doubt it's in the middle year i think that this is going to be a very good year for brios looking back i do hope that we receive more of the same though 
And honestly, it doesn't seem that bold because the 415 ERA and the 127 whip, that kind of falls in line with his career average. But I want you to remember when we made this recording, Jose Barrios was just pitching for Venezuela or Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic, and he just got shelled in the World Baseball yeah. Classic and looked awful. So this was probably like literally two days after that we recorded this. Yeah, and I do now going back, He's Jesse, I remember you telling me this because I could not give one crap about um, the the game that was the Puerto Rico game that was going on. I yeah. I didn't watch it at all. I, I was no Venezuela, idea. but yeah. I think you're right. I had no idea he even appeared in that game, let alone got shelled. And I remember you told me this, and I was like, nah, nah he'll be fine. He'll <laughs> be fine. Riley, you Put were him right. in. You were Put right. him in. You had the last word there. All right, my next bold prediction, um, sticking with our starting rotation and sticking with guys who struggled in 2022, I said that Yusei Kikuchi was going to lead the American League in strikeouts for nine in 2023. Riley, he didn't, but a Blue Jay did. Kevin Gosman actually led the American League in Ks per nine um, with an 11.53 K per nine. Yusei Kikuchi, though, wasn't bad. He finished sixth with a 972 K per nine. So not bad. I was close. Didn't quite get there with Yusei Kikuchi. And this was after he led these all of spring training in strikeouts per nine. So not too bad. I mean, that's a win. As far as I'm concerned, that's a win. Top 10 in case per nine. I know Gosman had a hell of a year like that. But Yusei Kikuchi, when they're like, he would have to really either not pitch a ton of innings and still be qualified. He he, he had his career year. This is his best year yep. um, since coming over uh, from Japan. And I mean, yeah, I mean, he came six. In, in Ks per nine. So what? That's a win. I mean, he's a strikeout pitcher. He's a lefty. I'm curious, did he finish as the top left-handed pitcher in Ks per nine innings? I can look that up if you let me, if you give me two seconds. Sure. And I'll just say, but while you're doing that, that you can pile that in. I made a bold take about Barrios. I mean, and Kikuchi as well. Put them in for guys that had atrocious years last year. Did we expect both of them to bounce back the way that they did? Absolutely not, but we'll take it. Yeah, but Kevin, their... Kevin Gosman, yeah. Dylan Cease, Pablo Lopez, Luis Castillo, Lucas Giolito. I would say you say Kikuchi is the best left-hander. That's a, to- that's, a, that's a toolsy pitcher right there. You can't ask for more about you for me to say Kikuchi right there. Where Top 10, whatever. Six, first, second, doesn't matter. I mean, that's... That's a good skill set right there. Well, Riley, we each gave two more bold predictions, Riley. And uh, this one, you were pretty confident in. And I don't think you really missed the mark by that much. And you said, quote, Bo Bichette will lead the American League in hits for the third straight season and might even get to 200 hits. Now, Riley, he was fourth. He finished with 175 hits. He finished behind behind Marcus Semien, Julio Rodriguez, and Bobby Witt Jr. But the caveat, Riley... Bobachet only played 135 games. Those other yep. three guys all played over 150. Riley, he was on track. He was well on his way there. 25 hits is all he needed, and he could have played an extra 40 games. Bobachet should yeah. have got there. He, I know. Well, injuries happen in the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. When I, I might just, I might double up next year and say the same thing. It's unfortunate. Injuries happen, uh, and yeah, it sucks for Bobachet. But he's a player I have a lot of faith in. And I mean, guys that accumulate a lot of hits, that's a whole number I like. And when you see the number 200 in the hit categories, I mean, we get this with the Immaculate Grid all the time, Jesse. We play yes. all the time. We see these 200 hit guys. I'm wearing the Immaculate Grid t-shirt, by the way. Ah, yes. Today, so. Yes. And I would like one as well. I do want I want to make my own grid and have faces on it. The players I use, if you, if you don't know which players those are, you can check out my Twitter page, mm-hmm. uh, yada, 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 whatever. Um, Bob is one of those guys that would be, Oh, 200 hits, blah, 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 because he's going to hit that mark eventually. And yeah, if it wasn't for his injury, injuries happen, whatever. I, I mean, I feel bad because I know Bo's the, kind of guy who would love 200 hits in a season and i would love it for him i mean he deserved it he had a hell of a year again he's just a hit machine hit machine is a great way to describe boba Shett. i agree i'll be rooting for that next year as well my second to last bold prediction was that brandon belt would finish top five in home runs hit by a left-handed hitter in blue jays franchise history now carlos delgado is the leader he did it like four times He's on that list everywhere for left-handed hitters the bar for number five riley was brad fulmer who had 32 home runs um, Brandon Belt needed to hit at least that number, and no, not even close. 19 home runs for Brandon Belt. Did hit a lot of doubles, was a good hitter, but ultimately the home run power never really got there in the end for Brandon Belt. So good season, 
just not the superstar one that I was thinking we'd get from him. Brad Falmer, uh, Expos, great Brad Falmer, first baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have that high of a ceiling for belt coming into this year. I think there was at times he was a very good player for us. And the fact he finished with 19 home runs, I think that almost sets him for his, you know, average. I mean, belt's not a guy that's actually hit a ton of 20 home run season. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, he gets kind of cursed with a lot of team numbers and he's in the twilight of his career. I mean, it's a nice thought. But uh, he just didn't have the power at all times, and he wasn't in the lineup enough to get those numbers. Riley, one more bold take for each of us, and I think you know which one was coming. You hinted at it earlier. This was Dalton Varsho. You said it at the beginning of the season, and I think you said it a few times early in the season as well. We were feeling good about the kid, and honestly, I don't know how good we're feeling about it now, seeing what Lourdes Gurriel and um, Gabriel Moreno are doing for Arizona right now. As they how are on their way to the NLCS. How but. did Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit that pitch for a home run? He pulled yeah. it. Like, I mean, anyways, Je- Jesse, what what awful, crazy thing did I say about this? I have a feeling I know what it is, but remind me. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, I don't think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. would have had this power if he stayed a Toronto Blue Jay, but whatever. Beside the way, you said that Dalton Varsho was going to be a 30-30 player. 30 home runs, 30 stolen yep. bases. There he it hit, is. He hit 27 and I think stole 23 in his last year in Arizona, so we thought he could be a little better. But ultimately, Dalton Varsho's first year in Toronto didn't go exactly what we wanted. He did hit 20 home runs, but he only stole 16 bases, and I think we were expecting more from Dalton Varsho coming into his first year in Toronto. I, I had... Like, if there is any player besides Matt Chapman that I was very high on and that ex- uh, fell far from my expectations, I think a lot of people would have the same thing for Dalton Varsho. Uh, the fact that he got the 20 home runs is great. I mean, if I was to say, oh, he would have had 2020, and it's like, that's not a bold take. That's not a hot take. 2020, like, he should yeah, have 2020. 2020 this year. Yeah, that's, you should have that. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed um, but also 16 steals for the amount of time he gets on base or got on base this year, I would say is probably impressive. I mean, I can't remember <laughs> him getting on base 16 times this year. So it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh man, like you just, just do better. 30, 30 is a bold take. I mean, how, what did Acuna do this year? The free, he made 40, 70. Own, yeah. Yeah. He made his own club for God's sakes. I mean, it's like, and Farshow couldn't even put up a measly numbers. Uh, like that. And then Jesse, I'm sure we know your final take because we're a Blue Jays episode and we try and get everyone hype and yada, yada, yada. And the biggest F of the season is Jesse. Well, the Blue Jays didn't win the World Series and they didn't win or didn't make the ALCS like you predicted in there, too. Um, I don't know if you remember this one, Riley, what my last bold, bold take was. I, I thought it was they won the World Series. I no. thought you had you said that at the end. You're like, oh, and the Jays will win the World yeah, Series. That was and, in our honorable we, mention. Segment. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. And we all live happily ever after. Right. No, I do not remember your final one. So my official bold take was we were hyped about a certain rookie this preseason. And I was thinking this rookie is going to finish top five <laughs> in AL rookie of the year voting. I thought he was going to be a monster and get up there. That player's name is Addison Barger. That player did not make a single appearance for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. In fact, he only hit nine home runs and a 92 WRC plus. He was hurt. He had a wrist injury for 88 games in Buffalo. So that's not as bad as the Alec Manoa wins Cy Young award for the Blue Jays. But I say that might be our second worst call on the bold prediction this year. I even wrote in my notes, LOL, no, what an awful take. So I mean, hey. We any I mean, it's not as bad. The Manoa one is very, very bad. I mean, we sh- I shouldn't even be allowed on the show after that <laughs> one. And I knew I said that at some point in the year, and I went, "Ooh, that's not going to look good when we do that podcast after we've been eliminated or win the World Series." Hey. But yeah, I mean, hey. If you were to switch the name to David Schneider, who we sure. didn't have down, I mean, you would have looked like a genius. Yep. Also, people would have said who, because I know I was saying who when he got called up. So, I mean, hell, I mean, sure. Maybe next year, put Allison Bar- Addison Barger in your back pocket and say that maybe he'll get his cup of coffee and then stay long-term. We did have a few honorable mentions that you and I just kind of spitballed at the end of the episode there, if you remember. One of them was that you said, Riley, the Blue Jays will make the ALCS. So 
I thought that would have been nice. Didn't happen ultimately. Some other ones that we gave were Nate Pearson will be a top three on our bullpen depth chart going into the playoffs. He was good. He had moments, but ultimately he wasn't even on the playoff roster. So that doesn't count. I said Bo Bichette would be an eight plus war player. Finished 3.8. Not quite that get there. Riley, I think you said Danny Jansen would win the home run derby this year. Um, did not happen. Would have been fine. No, he was, probably, he was probably hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but good talk. I just said Shohei Otani. And that was it. That was the only thing I said. Um, ultimately, that didn't happen. Still might in the offseason. We'll see. And the last well, one, Riley. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Arnold. No, I was well, I was gonna say about Shohei. Well, we won't be using him as his as the multi-purpose tool that we thought when Correct. you first said that. But that's all that's a you'll have to listen to the Angels podcast wherever you can find it to sure. get get the Shohei, uh, uh the low on Shohei, but not and- here. The last honorable mention you you said, Riley, and you were kind of just spitballing at the end of the episode, but this one I think actually came true, is that you said by the end of the season, Chad Green is going to overtake Eric Swanson in our bullpen depth chart. Now, say what you want about depth charts, but I think we got pretty close at the end of the year that Chad Green was ranked higher than Eric Swanson on our depth chart. So I'd call that a win, Riley. Yeah. I'm sh- hey, it's close. Uh, because we had Jordan Hicks there too. I didn't have Jordan Hicks coming on my, on, uh, you know, in my head. So it was like I more so meant eight inning. But if however you want to pass it up, I mean, they're pretty interchangeable to some extent. So I mean, I'll call that. I'll give myself a tiny little thumbs up for that one um, because we knew. Well, we seen ch- how Chad Green was. Uh, you know, playing for the pinstripes. So, I mean, to have him in a Blue Jays uniform, uh, even coming off injury, uh, is he's a pretty effective weapon. Yeah, Riley, I will say not bad. I'm excited to see what bold predictions we can come up with, well, even for the rest of the offseason or for next year's Toronto Blue Jays team. But not too bad. I think we were close. Some disastrous ones in there. But ultimately, I think we did okay with our predictions. Oh, I'm very disappointed about the Varsho Manoa one. We can we can just forget all about those, but that's all right. I mean, at the end of the day, we like to dream big, um, and maybe I'll take take the pot off the stove next time for a second before I lay the real spicy ones <laughs> like that. I think I'll make a rule for myself: no saying MVP in silver sluggers. Stick to the whole numbers like home runs. I mean, the Varsha one wasn't that bad. Um, I, I should have said Matt Chapman finishes with uh, 200 strikeouts. I know sure. he didn't hit that mark, but I mean, it seemed very, hey, and he might do it next year in a Diamondbacks jersey. I mean, wherever he goes. Yep. Well, that'll do it for episode here today, guys. I think next week we are going to hand out our report cards and uh, Professor McConnell and Professor Burrell are going to be in and uh, we are not the kindest of teachers. So we will be handing out our report cards, tossing out our grades for each individual player and the team and management and all that stuff for the Toronto Blue Jays going into next season. So if you want to leave yours down below on how you think, leave a comment down below. We'll make sure we will include them. Um, and yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff, wherever you can find your podcast, you can find buds and blue Jays. So please make sure you're listening to us on there and give us a subscription on YouTube. We are approaching it on 300 subscribers. We are very close. We want to get that number to 500 before the start of next season. So make sure you hit subscribe if you have yet to do so already. Riley, anything else to add before we get out of here today? I'm ready for the next time we come on here. I'm going to hand out F's like Mr. Crocker on Fairly Odd Parents, man. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. Not a lot of good to say. Some some players, yeah, we'll give them a passing grade. But I think, Jesse, I think we can, for the position players, I think we can agree on a lot. And I don't even need to say anything. When the time comes, which will be which will be soon, we'll um, we'll open that can of worms. All right. Pencils down, Blue Jays fans. We will see you next week. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.